three, two, one. Hello and welcome everyone to the No Outlet Podcast. And folks, as you all know, I'm a huge fan of authentic people. People who march to the beat of their own drum. People who truly do not care what anyone else thinks about them. Now, those people are rare and they're getting scarcer as time goes on, but there is an even more rare breed out there. The people who don't care and do their own thing, but are also fun to be around. Imagine that combination. They have interesting opinions. They have a sharp, quick sense of humor. And they're fun. Well, let me take you back to the early 1990s. The town is Portsmouth, New Hampshire. And I was working at a restaurant in Kittery, Maine called Villa Artista. And I was lucky enough to meet a fine young man, uh, just like the person I described. We were uh, instantly friends and uh, had a lot of fun together for a few years. Uh, Fast forward just a little bit, you know, and he was moving out of the Seacoast area. I was getting married, you know, and we didn't really, it was before the internet was supercharged like it is today. So we lost touch for a few years and... Well, the other day I was I was aimlessly scrolling through my favorite uh, social media app, TikTok, and uh, it's one of my favorite ways to waste time. Uh, and, and I see this guy drinking pickle flavored soda and eating seaweed, and I knew instantly who it was. And so, long story short, we jumped on a quick call, and I was very happy and not at all surprised to learn that. He was the same rare breed I knew all those years ago. Still unique, honest, fun, funny, with an edge to him. And I'm very happy to have him on the show. So without any further delay, please give a warm and resounding no-outlet welcome to Paul Cha-Cha-Chu Majewski. Well, hello. Hello. All right, that's enough. Look at really on command. They're, they're listening. They're very well trained. Uh, I haven't been. I haven't been. I haven't been talked up like that since. I mean, honestly, I don't think ever. Thank you very much, Ethan. My Who, pleasure. Also, so, you know, you called out of the blue, out of the fucking blue, <laughs> and no, you know, you didn't call. You no. texted. Hey, is this yeah. Paul? Is this Paul Majewski? And I'm like, oh Jesus Christ, here we go. And it's Ethan Jewell, and dude. Like, exactly one second had passed, and it wouldn't have been that long had I been able to get my phone in my hand passed. Well, it was a very quick call, call back. Yes, I appreciate that. And um, it was it was so cool. It was like time warp. It was like uh, time, it was, time it, is it, a flat it, circle. It was a little time warpy, yeah. And, and here's the thing. It's like, you know, you know, you, you know you're, you're cool with somebody when a couple of fucking decades go by and or, or a few dozen years – in this case, almost. And uh, I mean, it's like, yeah, it's like, it's like we just picked up where we left off. One hundred percent. You sound exactly. You sound exactly the same. You probably look exactly the same with that, you know, <laughs> matinee idol jawline and your, you know, Aryan good looks. Well, I'm, I'm here. I'm here to tell you. Well, I still, I still have the same jaw, but I don't have any hair. Um, so nope. the Aryan well, part is a little bit, you know, in question. But I guess, I guess, I'm kind of looking like a skinhead now. So there's a, a little bit of Aryan there. Not the good kind, if there is a good kind. Um, but I appreciate the, the fact that you think I sound the same. That's good. I like that. Um, so listen, uh, Paul, we're going to play a game. And the yeah. game is called 20 Questions. And the game always on, starts in the very first same place. And that's question number one. Question number one, what, in your opinion, in your professional opinion, what is more likely to happen in the next five years? Snooki gets nominated for an Academy Award, or we learn that interdimensional beings are, in fact, real and have been living among us. I mean, if those are my only two options, without yes. a question, interdimensional beings are going to be like, you know, your, your new best friend. Um, and because Snooki winning an Academy Award, I mean, I don't you know. I mean, Reagan was president, but um, at least he had talent. He did and have am talent. I missing something? That's, 
Is Snooki doing something these days that's like actually Academy worthy, or are you just kind of spitballing? No, I'm just wondering. Okay, like, what's the least likely scenario for somebody to be nominated? And you know, there have been reclamation jobs done, and, and just imagine some like superstar, amazing writer and director getting a hold of Snooki, giving her the perfect role to play this you know, awful person and she just knocks it out of the park. Uh, and then for some reason the stars align and, and there we have it. She's been nominated. I didn't say win, just nominated. Now they're nominating like, you know, it used to be they nominated five people and now it's like 10 or 12, right? Ethan, you and I know what talent looks like from across the room and she ain't it. That is true. But then again, I've never <laughs> met an inter- interdimensional being either. So, well, exactly because they're interdimensional. Well, you know, there you have it. There you have it. I think I think we're going to take that as a correct answer. Question number two. Now, you, my friend, have spent time both in the northern part of our country and in the southern part of a country, two regions that were ripped apart by civil war many years ago. So from your perspective, having lived in both both places, because I haven't, I've only ever lived in the north. What's the biggest differences between those two geographies? It's a long one. I hope you're sitting down. <laughs> In fact, I am quite comfortably. I'm good. Now, now, wait. Are we talking about? You said geographies. Are you talking about like socioeconomic differences? The overall, like you know, the, the major cultural differences. So, I'm gonna, how do you want me to lay this out? I'm going to let you lay it out in any way that you see fit, since you are the expert of living in both places. You can take this question anywhere you want the answer to go. I mean, listen. Ultimately, and I also had a job on the road for a while where I was traveling, and I, I saw a lot of the country, and really people are pretty much the same everywhere you go. It's just mm-hmm. that the food and the accents change. You know, redneck is a state of mind. Just because you're surrounded by broken appliances and, and you know, half-complete cars in the South doesn't make you any different than some, like, Guido shitbag in Brooklyn who, like, you know, only speaks in, in sentences and sounds like a fucking... Mm. Uh, only speaks in syllables and sounds like a barking seal. Redneck is a state of mind. That being said... I like that. You know, really, the, the biggest difference is, ultimately, is... Um, and this is... Dude, it's not even like north and south. It's just like how how intelligent are you or how willing to adapt are you to something new? And that's pretty much it. Like, you know, the biggest difference is down here, obviously, when we were growing up, our, our only exposure to Southern culture mm-hmm. were shows like Dukes of Hazard, Grand Old yeah. Opera, DJ and the Bear, Smokey the Bandit movies. And, you know, it was just like, ha ha, look at that red band go. Um, and, and that's, that, that was it, you know, and I, I come down here and I'm like, I just love the way y'all say Yankee. And it's really, you know, it, it, as soon as you open your mouth, it's you've over. got exactly 30, you, no, 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 no. You've got exactly 20 seconds to state your business, whether it's like, it doesn't matter where you're from. Okay. Now, granted, when I first moved down here, you know, I'm like, like straight out of the package Yankee. Automatically ingrained in my soul that, like you know, Southerners are a subspecies of of <laughs> citizens, <laughs> and yeah. I must I must treat them like children. And that was my biggest mistake. And thankfully, I came down here in my mid twenties, where I had a couple of years to fucking figure it out. You know, because Bill Murray said, you know, it's the same principle like with anything. Like you know, once you're into something, you know, that's going to change your life, whether it's fame or otherwise, you got two years to be an asshole, and then if you don't figure it out by then, you're fucked. Mm. So after after a couple of years of like, you know, getting ignored, I kind of figured it out basically. But now everybody loves me, you know. And I don't know. It has nothing to do with north or south. And thankfully, my my diction and accent changes enough to kind of get me in in and out of any situation. And it's astounding. Like the longer I'm down here, the more I kind of get like um. <laughs> do you remember? Do you remember that Saturday Night Live skit with Eddie Murphy where, like, he pretends he's the white guy and he, <laughs> yeah. he puts on, he puts on, right? He puts on the white makeup and the guy's like, go ahead, take it. Nobody's looking, take it. And suddenly he's, like, infiltrated this, like, white world. It's kind of like me right now with the South. It's like, yeah, these, these motherfucking Yankees over here. I'm like, yeah, those motherfucking Yankees. I'm like, over here, just not paying attention. Um, so, so, you know, just... Uh, in summary, yes. just be fucking cool and everything else falls into place. That's it. 
So I, I love that answer. Two t- takeaways for me, redneck state of mind. I love that. And then the second thing is it's really kind of an uplifting statement and commentary on human beings because what you're really saying is that the perception of how people are different by geography is just that. It's a perception, not necessarily a true fact-based reality. And at the end of the day, the measure of who you are as a human doesn't really change depending upon where you're physically located. So that's uplifting. Totally. I mean, and the thing is like, you know, some people are into furry porn and some people just go to church every Sunday and that's your subgroup. That's That's your tribe. That's those are your people. And it's a big fucking world out there. You know, sometimes the parts don't fit. Just deal with it. That's right. So what is your perspective uh, on the very unfair treatment um, that that came upon the lawn dart? So the lawn dart was a toy, as you know, when we were growing uh-huh. up. You know. Stop. Stop right. Stop right there. So okay. First of all, it's not it's not the lawn dart. It's the jart. Get it right. Jar- it's, yeah. The so, jart. Sorry. The jar- The treatment of the it, jart. The un- the unfair treatment, no. So, you know, this is exactly the same principle. Like, when you go anywhere with a subway, right, yes, yes. you know that a very large metal thing is going to be coming fairly rapidly, and you don't want to be near it. That's right. Right? So, right out of the gate, you kind of have an idea of how physics work. Yes. I'm with you so far. So, so the fucking jar, right? It's like... Okay, you're throwing a pointy object in the air. That's right. It's like it's like when you, what does the what does the fucking fireworks say? Do not hold in hands. But right? wait a minute. But wait a minute. Get you're you're throwing it. You're throwing it at your good friend. Let's not forget that part when you're like eight years old. You're, well, that's your parents' fault for not fucking having that thing locked up. Okay. It's a goddamn lawn. It's a fucking dart. It's a missile with a pointy. Well, no unfair treatment. No, no. Blame, blame, blame the person. Guns don't kill people. Jarts. You know, in the hands of idiots, kill people. So I I think I I like that. I just want to make sure I understand your answer. So what I was wondering is if you agreed or disagreed with the fact that you can no longer buy them. You have to buy them on like the black market yard sale circuit. You can't just go. Yeah. Now they're 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 all dull, right? Yeah. 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 The empty box and air quotes um, on eBay. Uh, Is this fair? Look, man, I'm all for social Darwinism, and if it's going to fucking thin out the herd, a few, a few more fucking people that need to be, like, you know, reminded that if you're going to be dumb, you're going to pay the consequences, That's then right. I'm all for it. So, yes, I absolutely disagree with the fact that they were taken off the market, and, you know, I'm sure there'll be something else in a couple of years that'll replace it like everything else. Like, like tasers available at, at flea markets. <laughs> What's that saying? Uh do dumb things, get dumb prizes. Is that the, I think. Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. There you go. So I I think that covers that. Um, Okay. So this is a more serious question um, because I I do appreciate your perspective on this specific topic. And and I'll explain why in a second, but from your perspective, who is the most influential filmmaker from the last 40 years? Um. Jeez, I haven't really dedicated enough brain power to films in a long time where that used to be my natural habitat. Let me, let me give this a thought. Yeah. Uh, you know, the most, influ- the most influential, I mean, in the last 40 years, is it too early to talk about somebody who only has two films out and his third hasn't been released yet? Because I think this motherfucker is the next goddamn Scorsese. Okay, let's hear it. Um, Ari Aster, if you have not seen Midsommar or Hereditary yet, oh. you need to get in the fuck. You need to get into the fucking Amazons right now and fucking watch that shit, homie, because, good Christ, like, it, listen, I'm not a snob. It just takes an act of Congress to impress me, right? And I, the first time I saw fucking uh, Midsommar, I'm like, what the fuck, right? And I immediately watched it again, unheard of, unprecedented. And now I'm like, what else has this guy done? Yeah. <coughs> watch Hereditary two times. And this is the only span of a day and a half. Unprecedented. I still can't get enough of this guy. So I have seen Midsommar. I have not even heard of Hereditary, so I'm going to check that out. Um, yeah, Midsommar is that perfect, it like, it like sneaks up on you and then it just gives you the ultimate gut punch. Highly, highly recommend. I've seen it twice myself, not back to back, but 
I, I did see it twice. The reason why I asked you that question is, you know, back in 92, when we first yep. met, you, you were the, I'm not afraid to uh, admit this, you were the first person to turn me on to Quentin Tarantino. You showed me True Romance. You uh-huh. took me, we went and saw Pulp Fiction uh, at the New England yeah, Mall. Um, and then yeah. that led to Reservoir Dogs. That led to a whole other, uh, it, you, you opened that- my eyes to, to cinema. In a different way. Was that was that you and I that went to go see Ed Wood? And we went and see, we went to Ed Wood with Johnny Depp. Absolutely, right. we did. Yep. Which was which was fucking hysterical because the whole Ed Wood story was like you know he was the World War filmmaker at the time and uh, you know a biopic made about a film uh, biopic made about a guy who made films that nobody liked and we saw it in a theater where nobody went to go see it. <laughs> like we were literally the only two fucking people in the theater, which you know obviously it just came full circle. Yeah, I remember that. Um, That's great. But the, the reason I like Ari Aster is mainly because, um, so, you know, we're all being retrained again to, like, respond to 30-second TikTok. So I haven't got the attention span, and Aster films, like, 100%, like, they're so slow-paced. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's like you're forced, to, you're forced to watch the paint dry, and it's not so bad. No, it's not bad at all. In fact, you, you're waiting to, to watch the paint dry. You're wondering how it's going to dry and what it's going to look like when it dries. I love that movie. Yeah. Uh, good, good. A, A plus for me. All right. So you are. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, 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 no. Please. What do you got? Uh, I was going to say, like, so just to put things in perspective. So um, Joaquin Phoenix, who, like, his last film was The Joker, which, mm-hmm. you know, made only made a billion dollars on a fucking whatever it was, $40 million budget. Yep. That guy can do fucking anything. He can do any fucking movie right now. He is doing Ari Aster's next film. Oh, no shit. He He's the star. So that, you know, there's your, there's your, there's your, your perspective. I'm ready my for perspective. it. I am ready for it. So uh, you are, you, you have been, uh, back then you were, and you, and you apparently are still now a big collector of things, uh, more specifically older antique things, hard to find things, relics, if you will. Um, and, and you have it sold many items on eBay over the years. But my question for you is, yeah, what is is there, and maybe is a better way to ask the question, is there an item that you possessed, sold, and then thought to yourself, oh, fuck, I wish I hadn't sold that. I wish I still had that in my possession. Nah. And, and here's why. <laughs> I mean, the thing is... <laughs> Perfect. You know, there's, there's so much shit out there, dude. Like we, It's like we live in a world of other people's crap, whether it's like watching reality TV we're going to an estate sale and finding a fucking giant bin of like old photos that literally nobody wants. Oh my god! Except for me. And um, there's not one thing I said. The only thing I've sold that I was like, you know, I look back on it now and I'm like, man, fuck. Was um, I can't remember the name of the designer. It was classic 1960s Danish modern sterling silver bracelet. It was a woman's bracelet, but I mean, it just had something going on to it. And uh, it wasn't any of the big names like George Jensen or or Hans Thompson or any of those cats. It was like, I can't even remember who it was. It was just so fucking, like, well put together. Like, the guy was a mathematician and a jeweler. That's literally the only thing. And of all the crazy crap I've come across, I mean, I'm at my condo now. Uh, <clears throat> plug for the Airbnb in St. Simons, Georgia, y'all. Google <laughs> Condo of Curiosity on Airbnb and, and VRBO, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Um, like this is it. just, like, literally, like, one one-hundredth of the shit that I own. Uh, kind of on display for people to kind of go through and go, ooh, ah. So, but uh, now there's not, there's, there's, there's so much shit out there, dude. Yeah. It's embarrassing. Then let me embarrassing. ask, let me ask the question in a different way then. So let, let's go back to when you were, uh, you know, growing up and you were around all the stuff for the first time, perhaps. Um, is there anything that you ever had in your youth that you, you owned, you played with, you possessed, and then you didn't really think much about it. But then going back, you're like, oh, my God, if I still had my, you know, Kung Fu. What's my grip, personal? What's, go ahead. What's my personal rose? What's my personal rosebud? <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, I mean, maybe if you would ask me this 20 years ago, I'd have like more of a passion than the answer. But I mean, as time goes on, I mean, Paul, I'm 51 years old. I've seen it all. Um, let me see if it's a thought here. A couple of weirdo missed opportunities when it came to like Chippendale furniture and um, 
like original Star Wars toys that were like inexplicably were still for sale in late, late, late 1990s in some like weirdo toy store that I should have wow. bought. Even though like, you know, yeah, I know. I fucked that one up good and hard. Um, but I wasn't a Star Wars fan. And that's the other thing. It's like, you know, unless I'm like kind of emotionally involved with it out it. of the gate. Yeah. I'm not going to be weird about it. Like you go to the New York State sales now and it's like, you know, these guys like fucking just lobster trappers. You know, they'll just, it looks like they can resell it or flip it. But now everybody's flipping, and it's fucking pointless. It's, mm. it's fucking pointless. Like, no, there's not. I, there's it's not. It's not like it used to be. There's not like one group of people out there anymore that like you know lose their fucking mind over like you know next day ivory carved fucking figures or mm. whatever. I mean, it's like it's just all available on eBay with a couple of clicks. Mm. So, I mean, so, yeah. so, but that's good though, because Maybe. ultimately what you're saying is you really don't have any regrets over stuff that you once had and don't have now. So that's a good thing. Nah, I mean, there's it's a, it's a, it's a lot of shit out there. You yeah. know, if you're really going to be hung up on this, like one weird thing, you just need to get over yourself. I, amen to that. When I, just a quick <laughs> sidebar. So I, I had a house for 25 years in Southern Maine and I, I sold it two years ago and there was literally 25 years worth of shit that had accumulated like all over the house, attics, storage rooms, boxes, kids shit. And it took me so long to throw it away, give it away, yeah. try to sell it. And I'm just like, and now it's like, my, my house now is like, it's like a hospital. Like I've got nothing except for <laughs> downstairs in my basement. I've got like a nice setup with the shit I like, but everything else is like this fucking nothing there. I like it that way. Yeah. And it's, you know, the thing is, like, I, you know, I still got a ton of shit in boxes that I haven't really figured out what I'm going to do with yet, because eventually I'm going to have that one yard set that just lays everybody to waste. Um, but as far as, like, holding on to memories, like this, all right, so I lived, I lived in the apartment that I don't live in now, which is, I turned into the Airbnb for, like, seven years, right? And before my daughter moved to North Carolina with her mother, um, like this was the only other place that I had, I had time with her. So all of the memories I had with her as a, as a young child came out of this place. And I didn't, you know, I couldn't bring myself to change too much. I couldn't bring myself to really like rearrange or redecorate or whatever. And then as she got older, it, it became very clear one day that my memories were not her memory. Interesting. And now it's like, Oh, you know, it was almost like one of those moments, and I know this is going to sound weird, but it was like one of those like cathartic moments where you're like, you know, the the medium finds the spirit in the in the seance, and they're like, okay, you can let go now, you can go to the other side, and it was like, wait a second, she doesn't remember a goddamn thing about this place. What the fuck am I holding on to it for? So, and then, you know, then the restructuring process began, and here we are. So, isn't that it's a not one thing? Yeah. What's that? I was going to say, isn't that a watershed moment when you realize that the the yeah, thoughts that you yeah, have totally. in your your head about your children's memories aren't aren't even close to what they might be it really to, right? Yeah, it really it really put things in perspective, like fucking instantaneously. So, yeah. and now I'm I don't know, I don't know, call me crazy. <laughs> anyway, well, there are worse things to be. So, what are your thoughts on the? <laughs> Fourth dentist that does not recommend sugar-free gum to their patients that chew gum. Okay, late on me. The four, oh, oh, so three out of four dentists recommend Trident. Trident. And then there's that one fucker. Yeah. There's that one motherfucker who doesn't recommend. He's not recommending sugar-free gum. What are your thoughts on that dude or dudette, whoever this person the is? Fucking, the fucking – yeah, the fucking spoon doesn't exist. There is no fourth guy. It's all marketing. Lather ah, there, I like that answer. There is, no, there, there is no, there is no fourth dentist. That's just, that's just Madison Avenue fucking with you to sell another goddamn pack of gum. Because it doesn't sound quite as good to say four out of four because they're like, yeah, sure, it's four out of four. But if you say three out of four, it's like, that's 75%. That's pretty fucking good. That sounds yeah, I mean, than, most it almost sounds more up. believable than 100 but most dentists I know don't give a shit about gum either way. They're like, well, I mean, you know, it's your teeth. You do what you want. It's not like you're chewing rocks or, you know, biting ice or anything. It's just fucking gum. But still, they don't have an opinion. If, listen, if there actually were four out of five dentists or three out of four dentists, don't you think there'd be, like, a, another thing, like a sticker on the window, like, we accept MasterCard, we endorse dentine? Right. You know? <laughs> Big Red. So, Is Big there a Red. worse gum than Big Red? I think Big Red's the worst gum. It easily. 
Like hot you know, cinnamon? The oh, only thing my worse, God. I don't know. The only thing worse than the Big Red was like fucking Fruit Stripe because it didn't last that long. And then like, you know, by the time you, you were done with it, it was just like so squeaky in your mouth. Oh. Remember Fruit Stripe? Oh, yeah. Two seconds. It was uh, it was the zebra. There was a zebra on there, I think, and, and all the yeah. different flavors. And it was the best flavored gum for literally like 12 and a half seconds. And then it tasted it was like fucking delicious. chewing paper. And that was it. And it was like a, it was like a, yeah, it was like a fucking mouthgasm. Basically, it's like, oh god, I'm so sorry. You know? <laughs> what is your favorite meal to cook at home? Ooh, I love this question. The one I haven't tried yet. Like, I, I'm one of those fucking weirdos. Like, you know, sports, nah. politics, nah. Religion, nah. Food, like, I bought a fucking ricer for the first time. Uh, fairly recently, and you know, game changer. Now, now I got broccoli, and now I got cauliflower four ways. Um, Ooh, yes. Really, it's just, it's, it's, you know, my favorite. Or so, I mean, I maybe that's kind of the wrong answer, but I mean, I'm always like, what can I do next that I haven't done yet? Um, but I'm, I'm no slouch when it comes to like um, making my own marinades and like just absolutely fucking treating chicken thighs like, like you know, they're singing opera by the time they come out of the oven. <sighs> Um, and I don't know, man, like I bought an air fryer and like, I'm kind of like fucking around with like candy bacon and that thing. Um, I, I'm no slouch when it comes to stuffed grape leaves. Um, oh, well, I don't know. One thing I never really nailed was baking, but I mean, ultimately what is my favorite thing to cook? Fucking everything. You You know, you want sushi, you want sushi? Gotcha. You know, you want lobster thermidor for do? Give me a minute. So let's go back to the uh, first thing you said. Now, when you said a ricer, does that take cauliflower and turn it into cauliflower rice? Is that what you're saying? Essentially. Oh, that's yeah. fucking dope. I didn't even know they had one of those. Yeah, you can use it with potatoes, but it works really great with cauliflower. It's like it's basically so it's the first step in making like a cauliflower crust. Yeah. A little bit of cauliflower, a little bit of um like minced chicken or like, you know, pulverized chicken and like one egg and like and then a uh, shit ton of cheese, your choice, boom, done. It's a crust. Damn. Sounds good. Keto friendly pizza crust. Yeah. So Mount Rushmore, right? Mount Rushmore is a national monument. It's in one of the Dakotas. I think it's south. I always forget which one, but it's in one of them. And it's got four dead presidents, right, up on there. And uh, and that's all there's room for. There's room for four. And I always like to use Mount Rushmore as a framework for asking questions. Because if I say, hey, what's your favorite blank? then it makes it challenging. Like I just asked you, what was your favorite thing to cook at home? And I got four or five answers. So I'm going to ask you now, what is your Mount Rushmore of cartoons? Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, I mean, without question, you know, that like early Max Fleischer, 1920s, like Bobo the Clown, Phyllis the Cat, you know, the, the, the black and white, super early, Fucking like, what are these, were these guys on LSD? No, because LSD didn't come until about two, three decades later. Absolutely fucking like, it was like watching the inside of a Swiss watch for me as a kid. Like all of that shit, all of those Max Fleischer, Kitty Boop yeah. cartoons. Um, and and remember, kids, it's got to be the original, not not that stuff that came like after World War II. Like the very first like five years, absolutely mesmerizing. I like that. And, you know, if you really think about it, like you could easily, somebody with an untrained eye could look at any of those that you just mentioned and say, ah, looks kind of simple. But at the time, if you go back to that time and think about what was out there then when that came out, it's like it was truly groundbreaking. Like there was nobody that was animating uh, images that way when when they came out. That's that's the thing that's intriguing about it to me is that it was it was it was unique. I mean, it was kind of walking the line between, like, rotoscoping and actual, like, hand-drawn animation. And it, it influenced fucking everybody. It still does. So Cuphead, the game Cuphead, which is now a, a cartoon series, right? Okay. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Like, that shit is straight up a direct homage to, to Max Fletcher cartoons. All of it. Still now today. Isn't that wild? It's just like a I lineage mean, you know, of... The, the, the formula works. You know, it's, it's still it's still just as entertaining. Maybe it's you know they they say that pop culture repeats itself every twenty years, um, and now maybe it's every fifteen or twenty. But um, I uh, that's all I know about that. That's good. <laughs> you know, so now like we're, we're going into like maybe like a hundred years later, and 
those cartoons are now relevant once again. So if if we if we go by that formula, um, the the twenty thirties should be pretty interesting. Absolutely. So it, it, speaking of decades, it's a perfect time to ask this question. So you, just like myself, um, I'm not going to state your specific age, but you've experienced the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, oh, the 2010s. Oh, I already said I'm 51. Well, okay, well, there, you did it, not me. Um, and, and now, of course, <laughs> the lovely 20s. Um, and now when you yep. take a look retrospectively, looking back like a uh, – uh, like an album series from Time Life Records. When you look back at it, what are some thoughts? What are your what's your favorite decade, least favorite decade, PTSD of a decade? Like, no. g- give me, give me, give me your no, synopsis like, of the decades. You, you said you said fucking Time Life Records. Nobody's gonna get that reference. I mean, maybe like fifteen percent of your listeners are gonna get Time Life Records. What a riot! That's um, so just so we're all on the same page, gang. Uh, the Time Life series. Time Magazine and Life Magazine had a baby, and they were dedicated to nothing but these like volumized sets of, of culture, popular culture. Glenn Campbell. Um, there was one, Glenn Campbell, or the Swing Era, where you could like buy twelve sets of albums over the course of a year in like nice little right. cases, and it would it basically encompass the entire Swing Era with a nice book like that sort of thing. Yeah, music to die to. So what's my <laughs> <laughs> so no, just um, in, in a general sense, like you know, because every think about it, like every decade that that we've been able to experience has been a little bit different. And like for the seventies, for us, you know, obviously we we kind of experienced them, but they were so rich that I think in some ways some of my seventies memories stick out more than some of my nineties memories. But you know, when you think about it, what's from a from a critical perspective, from a an outside looking in, looking back retrospectively. Give me your thoughts on all the I'm decades. To- I'm, I'm totally fucking biased for fucking um, the, the the 80s, and not mm. because of the same reasons why we're all, you know, watching Stranger Things for, because I grew up in New York. Yep. And the New York City fucking downtown, lowbrow, art scene, music scene, that whole package was, without a doubt, I mean, I was in the right place at the right time, quite by accident, and... Um, I still, to this day, carry a lot of that ethic with me, not visually or you know, outwardly, but um, 80s fucking hands down. You know, <clears throat> prior to the 60s was like the most fun. Um, yeah. But only if you're living in New York. If you were living in Iowa, you were fucked. Yeah, but you're, that, you're always mean, fucked in Iowa, though, aren't you? I mean, yeah. Shout you're out to Iowa. In Iowa. <laughs> that should be their new state um, slogan. You're always fucked in Iowa. Welcome to Iowa. You're fucked. Um, <laughs> But uh, barring that, I mean, you know, really, I had a pretty good time in the, like, the 2001 to 2010 era, solely because the internet made things, like, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, the 90s were okay, but it's like, you know, there was, like, too much, like, tech mixed with retrofuturism, and I was pretty much drunk the entire decade anyway, because I was a bartender, um, and that was fun. Yes. And the club scene was fantastic. You know, I shouldn't say I was drunk the entire decade. I wasn't, but I mean, you know, it was just easier to have fun back then um, on the bar level. Uh, but I mean, I just had, I was able to like connect a little bit more with culture and other people in, incredibly during that time period because, you know, it's kind of like being the, the it's like the first day of a new school, mm-hmm. you know, and everybody's just trying to get to know each other. And the internet made it really, really interesting. Now it's like bullshit, but. Back then, it was fun. It was the Wild West. Um, well, it was green fields, and, you know? I mean, it, it was yeah. just uncharted territory that no one's really sure what to do or what's going to happen. And to your point, it it made the connection of the dots a lot quicker. But then, like everything else, eventually, you know, it, it, it gets spoiled. <laughs> it gets spoiled. Um, but yeah. I, I'm with you. Yeah. The 80s, it, I think the 80s is the right answer because the 80s had a little bit of everything. At the very beginning of the 80s, you had, like, the new wave punk, which turned into disco, you know, uh, or, you know, then you had like going into the, the mid eighties, you had that chachi, like totally cheesy. And, but then towards the end of the eighties, you were kind of getting into the beginning of grunge. I, I feel like the eighties were authentic. They were unspoiled by, for the most part, unspoiled by technology. You still had to record shit. If you had a VCR, you know, you still leave a, a, a message on a phone. If you called somebody and they weren't there, you got a busy signal or you got an answering machine. Yeah, a, you know what I mean? 
it was a lot more it was a lot more analog, you know, and like you were forced to connect with people on some level. Now it's like, you know, you're dealing with people who can barely fucking, you know, spit out a text message without abbreviating the word you and um, you're just <laughs> the, the so much more. The extraordinarily long word, you. <laughs> Seriously, it's like you give the language that respect it deserves. Uh, you fucking dick. Anyway, that's um, awesome. So yeah, I guess the eighties would be the eighties were my were my um, my choice. Correct answer. It's been brought to our yeah. attention that you are a big fan of international supermarkets. For the betterment of you our that right, for the betterment of our listening audience and those in the studio audience here, please help us understand the origin of this interest. What specific uh, thing prompted your uh, excitement about international supermarkets? All right. Well, I'm going to get a slightly off topic here. You know how like some people like are they like they try to be too cool or too interesting, and yep. all they're doing is like buying a thing to make them look better than they actually are on the inside. Speaking of the eighties. Speaking of the eighties. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, I, you know, I, I don't know, man, I just, I always had like an interest in interesting things. And unfortunately most people's version of interesting is like fucking weird. Right. So whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I'm on my own. I'm in Staten Island, New York in 1985. And I'm walking by, um, what can only be described as the craziest fucking idea they could have come up with, which was a Thai restaurant in the middle of like Italian centric Staten Island neighborhood. You know, it was like, why the hell would you put like an ice machine in the middle of Antarctica? It doesn't make any sense. No one's going to go. No one's going to go. So I walk in and, uh, no one's going to go. So I go, no one's going to go. So I go. And it just opens up. And like, I'm the only guy in this like, really exotic place, you know, for me at the time. And uh, I'm like 15, 16. I sit down, get the menu. You know, they're looking at me like, what the fuck does this kid want? And um, there's frog's legs on the menu. And I'm like, fucking boom, Whoa. I'm blown, okay? If it, if it can be eaten, it must be edible. So I order the frog's legs, right? And now I'm like, okay, what else you got? <laughs> Where else are we going with this? And it just over the course of like 30 years, it just became, you know, my jam to, to go into like whatever grocery store that had something I'd never had before and try it out. And, and so from there, you know, um, in the, when I lived in Boston in the, um, like the early mid nineties, mm-hmm. um, I worked at, I worked outside of Chinatown. And again, like, I mean, you know, if you don't live in a major city, you're not going to have access to this shit. It's going to be like fucking, you know, now you can just go online and go to like, you know, whatever and get yourself your, like, your, your, your weirdo Japanese snacks. But for me back then, this was a fucking event. Mm-hmm. And um, I, uh, I just never got, well, I mean, you know, you never get bored of like the weirdo shit that you see from other countries. And what I noticed for, after a while was that you really kind of have to pay attention to the amount of dust on on the thing itself because you know it already took three months to get here and if it's been sitting on the shelf for a bit longer you know you're not going to have a good time so th- there's an instance where i probably should not have eaten that but i you know it's just you can't tell me that no one's going to like want to go into like um um a middle eastern grocery store and try like fucking whatever it is like cardamom jelly or you know, figure out how to like fry up some bloomy cheese or, you know, you walk into like a Eastern European market and like suddenly you're greeted with like 15 different types of chicken bologna. What the fuck is chicken wow. bologna? Who cares? It's so cheap. Who's, who cares? It's so cheap. Let's try it, you know? Um, and then thankfully like now, post COVID, all this shit's coming in. It's coming in fresh and it's coming in hot because like, you know, we finally got the ports open again. Um, so right now is absolutely the time to go grocery shopping uh, if you've got access to that sort of thing. What's chicken bologna? It's gopher. It's gopher. Yeah, no, it's, 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 uh, it's uh, Bulgarian gopher. No, it's, it's, it's fucking chicken. Very specific Bulgarian gopher. Um, so uh, it, when you tell that the, the, the frog leg story, I got to tell a quick – so I took my family to Barbados once, and we're at this restaurant. And, oh, here we go. Yep, and my, my, my son at the time was probably around nine – uh, 10 at the most. <clears throat> and, uh, my daughter was like 12 or 13 
and she had a uh, a white rabbit that had just died like a, a year or two before that. So we're down there looking at the menu and there's all kinds of normal shit, you know, like regular stuff. And then this particular menu had rabbit as a special. So we're all just ordering and we're not really thinking much about what the kids are going to get. And my son goes, I'll have the rabbit. And I couldn't believe it. And he, not only did he order it, he ate it like an absolute champ. And, and my daughter was like in tears. <laughs> Because he's like eating this rabbit right in front of him, but you know it's like he's always had that same adventurous spirit with eating. It's like, and, and he almost has the same logic that you said, which is if it's if it can be eaten, then it's edible, right? If it's on the menu at this restaurant, then I've got to be able to eat it. Otherwise, they wouldn't have it on the menu. And uh, he still eats that way now. He loves cooking. Um, and there's really nothing wrong with rabbit because I mean, you know, it, it's kind of like. It's not gaming, and it's kind of like chicken, ultimately. You know, it's like a weird, like, is it beef? Is it, is it meat? Is it fowl? You know, it's kind of like that weird thing, like the ostrich has going on, where it's like, is it beef? Is it fowl? I don't know. It's still good. Yeah. Um, so here, I, uh, go ahead. I was going to say, like, I, you know, grocery stores aside, I mean, I'm also like, you know, I've got this chitlin story that takes an hour to, uh, that takes an hour to tell you, but ultimately I had a chitlin experience many, many years ago, and then we're again. Never, never again. For those who don't know, chitlins are basically the uh, lower intestine of pig that Jesus has been boiled Christ. and seasoned. Yeah, Jesus Christ is right. He... <laughs> Jesus Christ is right. Oh, I, I still get weird thinking about it. Anyway, anyway. Um, have you noticed recently how much of an asshole Pat Sajak has become to the, to the contestants on Wheel of Fortune? Oh, that's adorable. You still watch television um no i haven't you have not well because just I'll, just see so i'm going to save you some time and aggravation you know uh he's he's gone from the fun lovable goofy guy that gets to hang out with vanna white and play this fun game where he's happy for everybody to now like somebody needs to force his retirement because his his only his only fun it seems is is ripping on and, and look, granted, Wheel of Fortune gets some real stupid people on there. I mean, some of the puzzles that they don't get are, you know, worthy of some kind of misdemeanor. But he, his job is not to be that person making fun of them. His job is to facilitate fun, and it it appears to me that he's more interested in making sure they realize how fucking stupid they really are. Um, and and I think it's going well, too far. So- well, let me add, so there's a few things probably going on there from what you explained. Let me, let me uh, polish my glasses and go into Dr. Lepton's book here. So, you know, is it, is it short-timers disease? Is Pat Jack at the end of the contract and just like, fuck it, I don't care? Oh. Study it. Or is it vascular dementia, which also kind of happens, and, you know, perhaps, you know, they're just, he's just weird enough for where they can't pull him off the TV because the ratings are still, still high enough where it's not an issue, and there isn't enough chatter that, Jack's a jerk. I know. But I mean, as we all know, when you put your two weeks notice in or when you're about to retire, man, you just don't give a fuck. Just don't care anymore. And now maybe he's just extracting his revenge or being like a puppet of CBS or whatever shit, whatever network has done for the last like 40 years. He's had a pretty, he's had a, power. He's had a pretty good gig, if you think about it. He's just yeah. sitting up there. He doesn't Seriously. have to do shit. He's just kind of like, I More mean, Van, Van is turning the words. He's got an earpiece in. People are telling the answers. They're spinning the wheel. He's just sitting there. No, yes, no, yes. You're bankrupt. Fuck off. Here we go. Um, so what can you tell our audience about the we buy gold market in the U.S.? Uh, well, I mean, you have to be a little bit more specific. I mean, are, are, what are you asking? Like what? Does one expect when they sell gold to one of those we buy gold stores? Yeah, let's do it that way. That's fine. Uh, well, uh, so I am uniquely qualified to answer this question only because that was like my my uh, I was loosely connected to that industry for many many years. Um, you can expect to get raped in the butt with like your your mother's diamond ring. You can expect to get like. Three cents on the dollar, and they're going to bully you in the same way a uh, an aggressive older gentleman 
bullies a younger woman at the used car lot. Uh. You can expect you can expect to be disappointed. Um, my the best advice I can give anybody looking to sell jewelry for scrap, essentially scrap, versus something that is still like inherently valuable or has like you know uh, same shape to it. Pawn shops, none of those places are in business to, to you know lose money. They're they're in business to make money off of somebody's desperation. Remember that. So that being said. Um, I, if I you have like, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, please. No, no, go ahead. All I was gonna say is, I, I, I think you found maybe the best tagline of any retail store that sells anything. You can expect to be disappointed. I think that yeah. might fit in any number of stores, and you're setting the bar right where you want to set it. Like you're going to be disappointed with us. So right out of the gate, it's like you're- if you expect more than being pissed off, then you're you're in the wrong place. So, I mean, thankfully, though, there's like, you know, those people will still buy something even if there's a little bit of profit. So the best advice I can give anybody at this stage is get yourself a cheap-ass gram scale wherever, eBay, Amazon, whatever. Get yourself a cheap-ass gram scale. And um, there are plenty of websites you could go to. I believe scrapgold.com is one of them. Okay. And if you know that, you, if you know that you've got like, let's just say, you know, 10 grams worth of – 10 karat gold in a ring that you just don't need anymore. You put that thing on the scale, you enter the numbers. What is today's uh, value of scrap gold? And then from there, remove 30 to 40% of what that total is. And that's what you should expect. Wow. More or less. Now, if you go in there with enough, you know, you'll, you'll make more probably. I mean, you just have to negotiate. You know, but nine times out of ten, if not ten times out of ten, people walking in there, they're just like, yeah, I got this ring. You know, and everybody does the same face. Almost everybody does the same face. Another shout out to my very good friend, Jimmy Estefani, who owns the gold buyers of Buford in Georgia, in Buford, Georgia, who will absolutely give you a fair shake. But um, most of them have that same patented, like, face of like, oh, I'm so disappointed. You know, I can't really get that much for it. Oh, the stones weigh a little bit more, so I have to just deduct the, the weight of that. And, uh, and you know, and they're just they're just they're just gonna make it feel like a fucking wet fart. You know, it's like you walk out of there with like you know twenty bucks in a, in a fucking sob story. Um, so just do your homework before you go in. Absolutely, invest the ten bucks in a gram scale because you know you never know when you might come across another ring. Who knows? Or, or necklace. Um, but ultimately. And that's for jewelry that has no aesthetic value. That's right. Um, if you've got jewelry that, like, it really doesn't matter what you paid for that ring. It doesn't, you know, because you paid for it. And now, like, nobody else wants it, including you. Um, so if it's just, like, something like a cruise ship piece of jewelry, fuck it. Get rid of it. <laughs> you know? Cruise ship. Um, but, but if it's legit, you know, if it's something that's, like, you know, this is a really nice ring. I really just don't want to part with it for less than what it's worth, if not more, then, you know, please do not be afraid to sell on uh, Facebook Marketplace, which is right now the best local merchant peer-to-peer that you can find. Um, It reminds me, I mean, I've sold on Facebook Marketplace sometimes. It's very much like Craigslist used to be, Mm. you know, where it's like, you know, and don't ship shit. So so locally, you know, if somebody wants a bad bad, and like they can pay insurance. Um, uh, But it's, you know, it, it's it's safe. It's safe. I have not come across any fraud um, on that level. But 100%, move that shit on fucking Facebook. If they really want it, they'll figure out a broker locally to pick it up from you. Yeah. You know, and that's it. That's all I got. That's good. Um, diamonds are a whole different. Diamonds are a whole different story. You know, diamonds are a girl's best friend. Um, okay, so well, oh. diamonds diamonds are inherently worthless. Just so we get out there. You know, if you want to fucking. You know, if you want to piss away money on a diamond, you go right ahead. But, I mean, if you need something that looks like a diamond, fucking um, um, Mosinite all the way. All the way. I've heard that before. That's good advice to all the people out there thinking about buying a diamond. Um, Approximately how many times have you watched the YouTube video, Too Many Cooks? Uh, So that guy, William Tarowski, whatever his name is... um, it's actually like a, a, a distant acquaintance of mine. And I'm no quite literally way. looking at the little, 
quite literally right now looking at the figure that Kid Robot put out of him as the killer with the machete still in the plastic bag. It's just saying, how many times have I watched it? Not enough. That was one of those that was one of those fucking things where like the first time I saw it, I'm like, I don't know what this is, but we're going back. We're going back. We're going back in. Going back in. Best like eleven minutes of my life, you know, honestly. Could not get enough of that thing. Uh, you know what? I, I have to agree with that. What there's no way you can watch that once and then not want to watch it right away because it's like at first you kind of you, you think you know what's going on, but then as it's going on, you're like, okay, I don't know what's going on at all, and then it just gets better and better and more perverse and more extreme. And at the in every single step, it's funny as shit. Like they nail they nail the sitcom types by the, the by the nuance, like little tiny nuances of like. You can see it go from like the, you know, family ties to all the different types, all the way up to like TJ Hooker and like they're getting them all perfect. So um, it was it, it had it had one of the highest rewatch values of anything probably I've seen in my life. Just agree, you know, and I haven't seen it, haven't seen it in probably, I don't know, five, six years. But now that you put that in my head, guess what I'm doing later. We're going to watch it. We're going to watch it <laughs> now. Ooh, some- I got something for you. Speaking of let's watch it, I'm going to interject a little story about Ethan and Paul here. You ready? I'm ready. You ready? Yeah. In the in the days before the internet, I know where you're going. I know where you're going. (laughs) When I was living in Boston, there was a store called the King of Records, which sold basically people's stuff that were moving out of the apartment and like stuff that people didn't want anymore and like the guy Jerry that owned it he was you to buy anything if he could resell it he'd buy it so I found a box of videotapes videotapes there once and in addition to a couple of pretty cool Japanese anime um, home recorded videotapes there was this one videotape that was just German shit porn and the cover was absolutely horrific and so it was, oh I, I would, it was just split your mind drove uh, free, German shit porn, prior to the internet. Nobody knew about this stuff. Nobody, unless you were into that sort of thing, and then you were so weird. Oh, so, my God. Um, but I, it was so jarring. Oh. Right? And just let your mind drove free, shit porn. So with multiple people in the room. Yeah, I I remember the, so, the the first and only time that I that I saw I didn't even I didn't sit down and watch the entire thing, but I do remember seeing. Wait, 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 wait. I, go ahead. You you asked me if you could borrow it to watch it. And I said yes on one condition. <laughs> I got to record your reaction on the phone. Yes. And only, yeah, and you, you did. Fucking delivered. So me and, and I, I got a friend who will shall remain nameless just in case he doesn't want to be connected with this scenario. And I took it over to his house. And this is obviously, you know, VCR, no internet, whatever. And we put it in and I ran. And I'm talking fucking ran out of the room. And I was physically and mentally disturbed. And yet, here's the craziest part. Then after that initial shock reaction, I'm like, well, what else happens? What else what else are they doing in this? And I and, ended up watching a couple more pieces, but that of all the shit I've ever seen on a screen, that one I probably watched seven or eight minutes of it total. Those seven or eight minutes are indelibly I might have complete dementia in, you know, sixty years, but I'm telling you right but you're now you're gonna remember. But I'm gonna remember that goddamn video because it is so horrifying that it, and I'm just like, whoa. But then I'm like, well, these people were Nazis. So there's a well, yeah, I, there you go. You right? know, it's 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 really just the German culture that appreciates this sort of thing. I don't know why. Um so you know, you fast forward, so now you got two girls, one cup. And oh. the reaction videos on uh, the reaction videos on YouTube where it's like what am I watching? I don't know. Must be pretty interesting. And then you know, and then uh, you know, it, it, it probably came full circle. But I was that guy that would go to the parties in Portsmouth, put the tape in after about an hour, leave the room, and just listen to the uh, the, the the chaos. Man, ah, ah, ah. Yeah, it was just worth it every time. Worth it every fucking time. Have you ever seen a UFO? Put, nope. Never. Do you believe in them? Never. I mean, do I believe in uh, in, in extraterrestrials? Yes. I mean, yeah, it'd be pretty 
conceded not to, considering right. now that we've got like, you know, another version of proof that the, the universe is infinite and like just, just statistically there's got to be life out there. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that one. Why they would be coming here? You know, listen, I'll be frank. <laughs> my, my biggest concern is not that there's extraterrestrial life, but that we taste fucking delicious. To whoever shows up. <laughs> oh, oh, like we, I'm sure. we don't, like, you know, we don't need to be fucking sending signals out there through city like, hey, we're over here. You know, come on down for a, for a cookout. And, Open no, 24 no. hours a day. Seriously, you know, hope you like elephants. We got plenty. Those are delicious too. Yeah, no, no, no. So here is the ubiquitous deserted island question. So on, so this is a, you're 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 stranded on an island, but this is no ordinary island. This island, um, you you've got um, the ability to have um, one international soda, okay, one comic book, one eight track tape, and the last thing that you can have is uh, a candy. Um, those are the four things that you have an unlimited supply of everything else. You're kind of on your own, but what are those four things? Um, odd choice of medium with the eight track tape. I don't understand why that's specifically an eight track. Yeah. Does that mean that the, the, the music has got to be limited to the music that was available on a track up until that time. I was more thinking that since you're on an Island, you're not going to really need to fast forward or, or be in a hurry. So an eight track might be just fine because you, it's got that shitty, like you could never just get to the next song. You'd have to go to the next track, but then you could be in the middle of the track. Yeah. It never really worked out. Like I remember having an eight track and just thinking, why can't I just go to the, the beginning of the next song? So it was more about like, Unlimited amounts of time, it doesn't matter. Might as well be a reel-to-reel, right, which is all an 8-track is. Uh, if you want to change yeah. the medium and, and go for CD or, or album, I'll allow it. I mean, you know, the, the one fucking album for the rest of my life, I mean, shit. <laughs> that's, like, that's like asking me to, like, you know, pick out my favorite grain of sand. Um, <laughs> well, that's why it's a tough question. All right, let me narrow it down to like what is at least a two album set, so at least I get more bangs for my buck out of it. There you go. There you go. Um, and there's really only oh man, I need music. Um. Believe it or not, I mean, only because I'm familiar with it enough to, like, you know, kind of say, okay, well, let's do the one or the other. It would either be the White Album or Pink Floyd's Wall. Uh, so I'd probably go with the Wall because there's just too much happy on the fucking White Album. Yeah. That's all I know about that. And I'm not even, like, a Pink Floyd fan. Like, I don't own anything by Pink Floyd. I'm not particularly motivated by them. No, but there's, but some, just, there's some depth you know, there. You could keep, you could kind of dive into that a little bit. There's, It's not going to be, like, a one play and you're over, right? Yeah, and plus, I mean, it's like it tells a story, and there's a lot of different tempos, so I would probably go with that. I know I'm probably, like, wrong, and anybody listening to this is going to be like, fucking idiot, should have been this, but that's cool, too, you know. But turn turn me on, dead man. Um, uh, as far as soda goes, who the fuck turns soda anymore? I guess I know, but I, like, hold on, I said an international soda. So, like, you were drinking a pickled-flavored soda, so you'd have to pick a soda that you can only find in one of these crazy grocery stores. Um, like, a, don't they have like jelly soda in, in Asian stores and things like that? Yeah, well, shit's garbage though. I mean, it's okay. like that's geared towards like that specific culture. It's not, I shouldn't say it's garbage. Um, it doesn't really resonate with the American palate, at least from what I can tell in my personal taste. Like, you know, there's no such thing as like a really good Chinese bakery. There's just, I mean, when it comes to sweets anyway. Right. Yep. They all kind of look, they all kind of look French. They all kind of like don't have just, they don't have enough sweetness, too much butter. It's kind of like just an interpretation of baked goods versus yes. like their savory stuff, which is just unstoppable. Um, but that being said, an international soda. Fuck. Oh. Damn it, dude. You caught me like way off guard. Because I know there's like one out there that I'm like, I'm not remembering right now. 
Because well, I've you can, tried and so by the way, shit. we we completely allow. Uh, if you wanted to pass, you could pass, and we can come back to that question. Pass. Okay. Pass. Come back to it. Okay. Uh, what was the other question? So here we go. This is this is a scientific comic question. Book. Oh, oh, you're okay. Good. Comic book. I like it. Yes, comic book. Are we, yep. are we talking about? Are we talking about like one comic or a series? Uh, a, a series is fine. It would be a toss-up between Love and Rockets or Jimmy Corrigan, the smartest kid on earth. Okay. Um, both of which like have an ongoing storyline that intermingles with other storylines. It's all one big, like you know, kind of, you know. There's a lot going on with both. There's a lot. And it, it doesn't get boring because you're always finding something new and you're like, oh my God, I remember this from like three episodes, three comics ago. And like you go back and it all kind of ties in together like magically, just magically. And of course, again, like I stopped reading comics professionally like, you know, what, 20 years ago. So and I'm sure there's more shit out there that I'm just missing out on. But those are the only two that really come to mind. That's so I guess I would have to choose Jimmy Corrigan. Okay. Because Jimmy Corrigan is pretty cool. Um, and then what was the fourth one? So you got the wall, you got the uh, Jimmy Corrigan, and then you got candy yeah. and a soda. Um, also not a big candy guy, but if I had to, there's a um, oh fucking marzipan, which isn't technically Ooh. a candy. It's like you know, it's yeah, it's you know, marzipan is um, it's almond paste candy. It's like almond paste with a little bit of rose water and the confection of sugar. Um, but it's, you know, you got, you got a lot going on there. You know, you got your nutritional value. You got your interesting flavors. It really gets old and, uh, all the fiber you might need. So, yeah. I like it. Just throwing it out there. And I'm going to give you just soda, a, to- a I mean, You can pass on the soda. We can just say, you know what? We're okay. not going to have any soda. Because it's not supposed to be a, it's not supposed to be mentally trying. Um, all right. So we got yeah, two yeah. questions left. Second to last question. This is a scientific yeah. question, right? So there's somebody, okay. a per, just your average standard human locked in a room with food and water, but over the speakers, there's speakers being pumped in this room, the song Daydream Believer by the Monkees is playing uh-huh. on a loop, on a very, very loud, loud loop. So in your professional yeah. opinion, how many hours would it take for a normal human being to be able to maintain and ultimately lose their sanity? Because at some point it it would be too much, right? There's there is a point. Like it's just a song on a volume. All right, so so the vo- so we're in a bathroom. So no, no, just a regular room. Just, going- a, just no, no. Ba- well, I guess you you know what? Good point. It's a bathroom because you have to be able to go to the bathroom, right? So you got bathroom, you got running water, you got food that's being shoveled in from some like hostel like you know chute that just kind of comes down. You get your food, you get your water, but then yeah. there's this never ending daydream believer being played over and over again. Um. Is the volume, what is the volume on a scale of one to 10? Um, I'm going to say the volume's a, a seven and a half or an eight. So kind of loud. And how crazy are we talking about? Like willing to take your own life, unable um, to communicate? I, I think, yes. Uh, I, I think the definition in, in this uh, thought exercise would be crazy equals willing to start doing self-harm to try to make it somehow stop. At what point breaks a man from repetition? I don't know. Probably about six months. Oh, my God. What a horrifying thought. God, you think it would take that fucking long? Well, because what's going to end up happening, I mean, just theoretically, is if it's that loud... Eventually, you're going to fall asleep whether you want to or not. And then eventually, what's going to happen is you're going to get used to not sleeping because it's that loud. And your body's going to want to sleep for you, which is like a, one of those like sleep study things where it's like the reason people hallucinate on meth is not because it's a drug. It's because they're not sleeping. They're not and sleeping. your brain says, oh, oh, you're not sleeping? I'm going to sleep for you. Fuck you. Oh, look, I'm hallucinating. And you're dreaming in real time, mm. essentially. Um, but that is also not sustainable. And eventually your organs just kind of fucking whatever it is, your body just shuts down and uh, yeah, four, four to six months, somewhere in there. Hmm. Interesting. I, I like the, I like the, the angle you took and there's something too that I hadn't even considered the, the physical toll that the sleep part would be on there. But I'm just picturing like, you know, somebody who's somehow grabbed, put in this room and at first they got food, they got water, they don't have to work. And there's this song. And the first couple times you hear the song, it's like a, happy, cheery, uplifting song. It's not super long, you know, so it's over quick, but then it happens again. 
I kind of feel like the the point where people would start. I feel like after a week or two, I might be ready to just be like, "All right, what do I have to pay you guys to to cut the shit?" No, because there's still food. Com- there's still food coming out, and like inherently, unless like you know, you're already like very unhappy with your life, you're gonna want to kind of see what's next on the menu. Or like you know, maybe it's gonna mm. end. Who the hell knows? I mean, you just it's just human nature to be kind of like self preservation like that. So six months. But, I mean, Correct again, answer. I like it. Yeah, six months. And because <laughs> at that point you don't, you're not going to get out of there. So fuck it. <laughs> and um, uh, last but not least, uh, where where can people learn more about Cha Cha Chu? Are you on any of the social media outlets that that you? And you don't want to uh, if you don't want to disclose, you don't have to. I don't give a shit. Man. All my set is just at the public on Facebook. Um, you know, it's not a Cha Cha Chu, but uh, if you do the condo of curiosity, just kind of like go down the rabbit hole. You might find me. I don't know. I, I mean, like I am a I am a pole that lives in a very specific area. If you do enough, if you do enough sleuthing, I'm not going to make it easy for anybody because I'm not that interesting. But you know, if you look around enough, you'll probably turn. You'll probably find me. Otherwise, I'm just a regular guy, in regular clothes, and regular stuff. There you go. Or am I? Well, if you could see our audience in the studio right now, you'd be so impressed. They are giving the wave to you. They've got these big, huge flags. Yep, yep. And they're 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 cheering, <laughs> and um, they're beyond excited. And uh, you know, I, I appreciate you, yes. And and thank you so much for coming on the the show. Um, like I said in the beginning, I meant it then. I mean it now. You are the same as you always were, which is awesome. And uh, it was good catching up. And if you're ever in the greater Boston area, which I don't know if you ever are or not, but uh, let's go get a drink or something. Let's go. Let's go to some like international grocery store and get some wild shit. You know what? It's, it's been a million fucking years since I've been out there, but uh, now that I'm now that I'm engaged, um, you know, congratulations. Well, thank you, sir. That's thank you good, very much. That's a big deal. Uh, it is well, it's my first marriage. I mean, you know, I finally found somebody dumb enough and blind enough to, you know, appreciate what little I have to offer. It's, you know, now I'm kidding. I'm kidding. She hates it when I say stuff like that, too, so I, I take it all back. Um, but, um, yeah, I think it's time that we, I got out of the zip code, like, you know, for more than a few days. Yeah. Uh, at least up north, anyway. And also, back at you, Ethan, if you ever find yourself down here, I have a lovely place for you to stay. Bring the cats. Bring the kids. I would love to go to Georgia again. I've been a few times, and I've always enjoyed it. Beautiful weather, beautiful people, uh, clean air. Well, I'm on, I'm on the I'm on the coast. It's a whole different world, a whole different snooty attitude down here. You'll love it, I promise. Perfect. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And um, this was No Outlet. You guys have a great evening. <laughs>